Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, January 10th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, my grandfather was a civil engineer, and he had this thing with numbers like a lot of engineers do. He'd, you know, he liked the way that numbers work together and just weird patterns in them. He always tried to count license plate numbers and like see one go up to the next number. When I wrote the date in our schedule or in our calendar uh, script for today's date, it was January 10th. That's 0110, and that just jumped out. Today's a little palindrome uh, uh, date if you're writing things in, an, in, a, in a numerical way. So this made me think of my grandpa a little bit there. No, no real rhyme or reason to talk about that otherwise, but it jumped out. No way, a papaya one. Okay, I don't know. Is that is that like code talk, like a binary? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything you about it. You still didn't get an answer on your egg, did you? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. All right. So, uh, Mr. Riedel had some breaking news. Yeah, I finished the script. We were signing on, and like I often do on nights when Riedel normally posts, I refreshed the New York Post's Riedel section, and up popped a new article. Let me read you the first couple paragraphs here. Sorry, Go-Go's, my lips are not sealed. Head Over Heels, a new musical featuring songs by the 80s girl band, will open this summer at the Hudson Theater. Gwyneth Paltrow is producing the $15 million musical with her ex-boyfriend Donovan Leach. Helping them finance the show will be Ju Jamson Theater's president, Jordan Roth. Roth wanted Head Over Heels for his Walter Kerr Theater, but he's got this squatter there called Bruce Springsteen who refuses to leave. Bruce Springsteen has extended his show until June 30th. James Marino will still not be afforded the opportunity oh. to purchase a ticket. Riedel said it. I didn't say that. He said it. Um, <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, the Hudson is is owned by the Ambassador Theater Group, obviously, who spent a lot of money restoring that. So it feels like a really good place. It's new. It's got this great bar that Riedel notes that will fit really well um, with uh, with this kind of rock show. Um, but, James, it's interesting. I've talked about this a lot. There's There was no tenant for the Hudson Theater um, in, uh, you know, after March 11th, when the Parisian woman closes, um, if it makes it there. Um, so it was kind of interesting that there was going to be this house that a, um, ATG just purchased that's going to sit open during a Tony season. But it makes sense if they're going to put in a show over the summer, which we're seeing a lot of this year between Pretty Woman and, and getting the band back together and, you know, and other these things. If they're going to put something in in the summer, we're going to make some money with the tourists that are there and, you know, can kind of skip that uh, crowded spring, I guess this makes sense. So um, I've had my issues with this show before and people have gotten mad at me for prejudging the show based on the content. Um, but another show coming to Broadway with a, uh, you know, a female lead producer is, is a good thing, even if it's this female producer. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, uh, Harvey Weinstein was going to put some money into it and she turned it down. That's correct. Yes, she did. We talked about that even before all the Weinstein stuff happened. Um, so this is, uh, you know, she's really been behind this show. And say what I will about uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and her goop or gloop or group or whatever her thing is called, the ridiculous whiteness um, website thing that she does. Um, but hey, if she wants to help put her money where her mouth is because she's inspired by a Broadway show, I, more power to her. Okay, next up in the news, there are some changes coming to Waitress on Broadway. 
Yeah, James, uh, I had first up in the script. Obviously, it's not first up anymore. But last night, one of our favorites, Betsy Wolf, played her final performance as Jenna and Waitress for now, because I wouldn't be surprised to see her back in the role again at some point, either on Broadway or maybe in the tour. Maybe maybe doing some big uh, sit down spots there. I remember she is cutting her short run, her run short by a few days to head out to Seattle to do some concerts with Jeremy Jordan. Sarah Bareilles, the composer, will return to the role on Tuesday. That stuff we already knew. Um, but what we learned on uh, Tuesday was that the current Dr. Pometer, Jason Mraz, will be extending his run again to add two more weeks, though he will be in the show with his good friend Sarah Bareilles. Mr. A to Z will now be with the show until February 11th. Bareilles will be with the show until the 25th. Rumor has it that a certain former doctor who took a hiatus to have a vacation in Italy's capital might be returning post Mraz. Hmm. Dr. Phil? No. Or, no. Oz, maybe? Oz. Dr. Oz. Okay. Mehmet. All right. Uh, show and casting news. Yes. So we had some things here, James, that were a little surprising. Um, so let's get into one of my – the one that's really kind of got my head in a noodle uh, right now. Yesterday, producers announced the remaining cast members for the upcoming Broadway revival of Angels in America. Now – Unless you've been reading the tea leaves of a certain adult Allison's Instagram recently, there was a bit of a surprise as Tony nominee Beth Malone will be playing the role of the angel, but only in select performances. Amanda Lawrence, who played the role in the production's run in London, will be the main angel, while Malone will apparently be the alternate. I would imagine that Beth will have a set schedule as you don't get someone of her stature to just be an erratically used standby. And, you know, when you think about it, James, while Malone is fantastic, I met her when she was down here in Orlando doing something, and I'm glad that she's coming back to Broadway. This casting just kind of confuses me. As far as I can tell, Lawrence did not have an alternate in London, nor did Alan McLaughlin, who originated the role in the 1993 Broadway production. So just the fact that there is an alternate is odd. But putting that aside, let's say there is some contractual equity health reason why there needs to be an alternate. Okay. Why would you cast a star of Malone's stature and fan base? Certainly, she's a big name in the theater community, but not necessarily outside. She's not going to draw people to the show from outside theater circles, especially since this is like a two-part epic day-long show. But I do think she would draw people from inside the community. However, I would imagine that, I don't know, 99.78% of the people that she would draw are already predisposed to coming and seeing the show in the first place. So why spend the extra money on her? Again, I'm not complaining. It just seems odd that Beth Malone is being an alternate in a show with a bunch of other stars already. I, it just seems odd to me. Do you have any insight into that, James? No, maybe it's just that Angels in America doesn't come around that often. And with a cast like this, maybe Malone just really wanted to be part of it and she had a space in her schedule. So she did it. Um, there's a bunch of things that I want to say about Angels unrelated to Beth Malone, though. Um, okay. I'm seeing a lot of the uh, the uh, this full-page advertisement oh, yeah. uh, in the New York Times of um, – the Donald Trump quote with uh, mm -hmm. "Where's my Roy Cohn?" and is a picture of uh, of uh, Nathan. Uh, Nathan Lane and saying, "Here he is." Um, 
And people on both sides of the aisle saying not really understanding why Angels in America went that went that direction with their advertising. I don't I don't think that that sells one ticket. I think that's mm-hmm. just a uh, that's an ego. <laughs> yeah. just, it's a. It, I'm all for cheap jabs at the yeah. expense of our current president, mm-hmm. but it just seems to me a little bit beneath this production. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. And the other thing is, is that I really hate the design of the logo. The neon. Oh, really? The the neon light thing that yeah. that's very similar to what they did in London. Um, so they yeah. kind of brought it over, but. Hmm. All right. I don't dislike it. I'd like to I would get that. I would if that they were selling that in it although they if it was at the gift stand in the in the theater it'd be like three hundred fifty dollars. But if it wasn't too expensive, I'd buy that. That's cool. Didn't didn't um uh was it Sunday? Sunday in the park with George had some sort of neon light kind of thing too. No, it was their logo. Uh, it was uh Michael Yuri uh torch song. I th- I I think there was something not not for their ad, for their logo but um anyway whatever but yeah so you don't like the logo that's that's okay Yeah and then the final thing is is that um I was doing some other work and I came across the IBDB page for Angels in America and there is like quite a few credits for puppetry yeah, I, th- there was some talk about that in uh, in the London production and and how they would be recreating some of those things. Um, not to spoil anything, but if you want to know more about that, it's out there because of the the National Theater reversion. Mm. So I was wondering if there was going to be some sort of uh, Avenue Q type of uh, <laughs> <laughs> prior Nathan Walter Lane. Nathan Lane. Well, Nathan Lane's going to actually be using a Nathan Lane-looking puppet to play Roy Cohn. <laughs> That's why the question was, where's my Roy Cohn? Because my Roy Cohn oh, was I not see. a felt-covered puppet. So that's, you know, it, it all makes sense now. I mean, I'm sorry that you had to go and spoil the surprise for everybody sorry. on a podcast. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, whatever, James. All right. Uh, Groundhog Day. <laughs> I couldn't come up with the dad joke there. Groundhog Day U.S. Tour, a no-go. Generally, for anything Groundhog Day, you can just go Groundhog Day U.S. Tour, a no-go. Groundhog Day U.S. Tour, a no-go. Uh, um, yes. But yeah, Monday night on Twitter, Groundhog Day composer Tim Minchin quoted uh, or tweeted in response to a question about the previously announced Groundhog Day Tour, quote, sadly, and then he wrote parenthetically, despicably, that'll be an interesting story at some point, maybe, um, there will be no U.S. Tour. Then he followed it up with three single-tier emojis. Uh, I can't say that I'm terribly surprised, James, uh, just because of it didn't make a whole lot of money. And I don't know that this is the type of show that people paying subscriptions for Broadway tour uh, seasons want to see. But uh, I'm disappointed that I won't be able to see it just because of I, I know it was fairly polarizing and some people loved it. Some people hated it. But um, I was interested to see it if it actually made its way down here to Orlando. But one thing that people can see is over the public theater, because yesterday they announced the cast for the upcoming New York premiere of Tony and Pulitzer Prize winner Bruce Norris's new play, The Low Road. Directed by Michael Greif, performances begin on February 13th and are currently scheduled through April 1st. The show will be led by two of the best, 
Tony winner Harriet Harris and Tony nominee Kevin Chamberlain. The cast also includes Chris Perfetti, Susanna Perkins, fresh off playing number 11 in The Wolves, Richard Poe, Max Baker, Daniel Davis, and more. We will have the complete cast list for this and Angels in America, by the way, in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. The Low Road is described as an epic play featuring 17 actors in 50 roles, examining the basic beliefs upon which we've built our economy and our country. Set in the 18th century, this wild new work imagines America's first laissez-faire capitalist, a young man inspired by a chance encounter with Adam Smith to put his faith in the free market. But his path to riches becomes inextricably entangled with that of an educated slave, a man who knows from experience that one person's profit is another's loss and this parable about the true cost of inequality. Um, I, I'm in. I, the, the, I love this cast. I love Michael Greif. I, I love Bruce Norris. So this one sounds really great. And then finally, James, normally you are the one giving me information uh, about things going on in the West Wing world since you listened to the West Wing Weekly podcast. But earlier this week, and we haven't talked about it yet, but you probably already know, it was announced that Joshua Lyman, a.k.a. Bradley Whitford, Toby Ziegler, a.k.a. Richard Schiff, uh, Will Bailey, a.k.a. Joshua Molina, and Ed Bagley Jr., who wasn't a series regular but played Senator Seth Gillette, will head a one-night reading of William Goldman's screenplay for All the President's Men, presented by the award-winning Fountain Theater in partnership with the city of Los Angeles and with exclusive permission from Warner Brothers Entertainment and Simon & Schuster. The free event will take place, get this, in the council chamber of Los Angeles City Hall on Saturday, January 27th at 7.30 p.m. Although admission to the reading is free, any volunteer don voluntary donations will support and part the Society of Professional Journalists. There will also be a catered reception afterwards in the rotunda. So, James, is this something you knew? Have they talked about this on West Wing Weekly or is this uh, is this new to you? Uh, I had heard about it. I think it's been talked about in West Wing Weekly. I'm not sure if I'm confusing it with other other things, but uh, West Wing Weekly is doing a lot of uh, really cool live shows. Uh, I think there's a live show with uh, Sorkin uh, this week or next Fancy. week or something like that. Yeah. Fancy. Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Broadway League releases a 2016-2017 audience, demogra audience demographics. Yeah. Now – yeah, now that we are into 2018, the Broadway League released the demographics for the 2016-2017 Broadway season. We will have a link in the show notes if you want to check out the full report. But the salient points are that during the 2016-2017 season, more New Yorkers attended a Broadway show than any season since 1998-99. And the number of theatergoers under 18 was the highest since this analysis began from the League 20 years ago. So those are both good things. Of the 13.3 million Broadway admissions that that season, 22% came from New York City residents and another 18% came from surrounding suburbs. Those are numbers that I would imagine producers are pretty happy about. As has been the case in recent years, about two-thirds of attendees have been female, and playgoers tended to be more frequent theatergoers than musical attendees, as play attendees saw nine shows in the past year and musical attendees only four. I, I think that would have some sort of correlation to the New York and suburb 
theater goers as opposed to just a tourist who might be seeing more musicals and seeing fewer shows. Uh, James, I always enjoy getting into these numbers, and I, I haven't had a chance to look at them super in-depth yet, but was there any number or data point that jumped out at you as either being surprising or exciting or disappointing or anything like that? No, I look at the general overall numbers, and not just for this report, but for everything that I kind of hear and I ponder what are the drivers behind it? And I wonder how much of a driver that the Dear Evan, Han Dear Evan Hansen and uh, Hamilton are driving those um, those New York figures. Um, more New Yorkers coming to see uh, a show that they have heard so much buzz about. Um, you mean like so, you mean like New Yorkers that wouldn't normally be yeah. theater goers, but people who are close take the opportunity to see something that's kind of broken through into yeah. the popular consciousness. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because I I I speak to a lot of uh, friends and clients and family things like that who have been captured by uh, Hamilton than Dear Evan Hansen, like I had n never seen before. You know, they they're always kind of uh, men's amends on their Broadway knowledge, and mm -hmm. they, and they seem to not only are interested in Hamilton, Dear Evan Hansen, but also have you know gotten the cast recordings and uh, and and listen to them before buying tickets and going to the show and taking their children and things like that. So uh, I, I wonder how much of that is, is involved there, but I really want to hear Har Harry Anton's take on it. <laughs> Seriously, we need, a, we need a Harry Anton Broadway thing. He's a New Yorker. He's, he's into, you know, baseball, New York baseball stuff. Maybe he can get him to do something theatery at some point. Well, he would be, know, he would be great at that. You know, if we could have gotten Harry Anton to come to the damn Yankees reading with a Reggie Jackson, you know? Oh, perfect. It would have been perfect. Him and his, his diet cream soda yeah. or whatever it is that he drinks. <laughs> diet Dr. Pepper, was it then? I guess cream soda, eh, whatever. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, next up in the news, Lin-Manuel Miranda reveals a lyric change for the West End Hamilton. Yeah, so... James, you remember when it was first announced that Hamilton was going to be playing in London, people had questions like, well, will British audiences understand it? Will they be offended by it? Will they think the king's funny? Will they understand the history that goes in because it's so packed so tightly? Well, clearly by the reviews and the ticket sales that we've talked about before, they get it. However, there were three tiny little spots where Lin-Manuel Miranda felt that there was need, there was changes that needed to be made to make some things clearer for British audiences. The first change appears in the song Take a Break. Originally, Hamilton jokes, Angelica, tell my wife John Adams doesn't have a real job anyway. In the London version, the lyric has been changed to Angelica, tell my wife vice president isn't a real job anyway, making oh. reference to Adams' job title rather than to the man himself. So that's kind of a uh, an interesting one. The second small change occurs in the song The Room Where It Happens, which is sung by Aaron Burr. The line, well, I propose the Potomac, is now sung as invite him over, propose it, no longer referencing the Potomac River, which apparently many Londoners were unfamiliar with. And speaking of a geographical thing in uh, the U.S. that people weren't familiar with in, in London – in Your Obedient Servant, uh, Burr's challenge to Hamilton now is New Jersey, Dawn, Guns, Drawn, as opposed to Weehawken. Uh, according to Lynn, uh, many British audience, uh, audiences thought the original lyric was, we, new word, 
Hawken, which doesn't make any sense. So they didn't really understand what Wee Hawken was. And if I'm being completely honest, I didn't exactly know where Wee Hawken was until a few years ago when I started working for Broadway World. But either way. I didn't know John Adams was the vice president. You did? <laughs> yes, so, yes. <laughs> um, yes. But, you know, I think that Lynn should have left it. You know, I, you know, growing up, I had to learn all the Benny Hill references. <laughs> you just compared Hamilton to Benny Hill. <laughs> I can't. What's the song? The do, do, I don't know do, what do, the, do, uh, do, 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 There you go. The Benny yeah. <laughs> scantily clad British women running around in oddly puritanical undergarments. Hmm. All right. I don't think we can go farther than that. So why don't you get us out of here? <laughs> I believe that is our first Benny Hill reference in the history of today on Broadway. Good thing tomorrow's our uh, 1,000th episode or whatever. Nine, nine, uh, anyway. nine. Yeah, today's 999, tomorrow's 1000. I'm glad we got it in before 1000. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter at BWW Matt and subscribe to something like a pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Oh, BWW Matt. <laughs> and my name. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And my, and my name is James Reno. Um, it's Wednesday, it's hump day. Hump day. Thanks for spending some time with us, and uh, Matt and I will be back and chat with you tomorrow. The BWW is Broadway, Broadway World. That's what the BWW is. I've heard of that. Familiar. Mm-hmm.